to down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this episode 41 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. My name, as always, is Adam Camilleri. I'm joined by two auspicious and gentlemen of quite, quite high renown, having just won 15 of their 16 games at the Dallas Open GT this weekend, just gone. Nick Nanavati and Mr. John Lennon. I will caveat, I did tell uh, my lovely patrons we were going to have Richard Siegler on this uh, episode instead of Mr. Lennon, but Lennon did just win a massive, uh, almost super major eight-game GT this weekend gone, and uh, Mr. Siegler unfortunately just had his second COVID shot and is a bit worse for wear. Hello, gentlemen. How are we doing? John, welcome and congratulations. Hello, hello. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be on here. I am doing fantastic. Still riding high after a, a weekend of uh, Drukhari superiority. Um, and uh, it's good to be on here talking about 40K. Nice. And uh, Mr. Nanavati, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well. Thanks, Adam, for having me on. It's always a pleasure coming on the Down Under. Yeah, and indeed, like it's for the first time in a couple of months, there's more to talk about from the States than it is from Oz. We uh, haven't got our monopoly on uh, big events uh, this weekend just gone. But we're here to talk about a couple of very specific things. First and foremost, both these gentlemen have dropped like it's hot every other faction in the game and jumped on the Drakari Juggernaut and have ridden it to both to some very significant success. We're not going to be breaking down their games. That's a, that's a purview for a, another Art of War podcast, the main one. Um, we're going to be pretty much talking about the things that these gentlemen struggled into, where they found they had some concerns arranged, and are there any holes in the armor? Are there any chinks in the armor of Drakari? Where can people find and close the gap against this behemoth that's now kind of wrecking most people's days. I do say most people because there are some people who have found some ins here, and that's pretty much what we're going to be extrapolating upon. Past that, Art of War Down Under is a two-part podcast, as many of you will know, lovingly curated and uh, produced by me in the, the wellows and bowels of Australia down the bottom in Victoria. But the first part of this podcast is released for general consumption upon the competitive 40K network uh, being produced by Art of War. You can find that on all podcast aggregators with the exception of um, Apple right now. That is still yet to be determined and should be up and running in the near future. Uh, past that, you can find us on the Art of War YouTube page where um, lovingly we had a, a huge amount of views for myself in the Falcon last episode. Or you can find us over on the Art of War 40K.com where you can purchase our podcast and the Art of War 40K podcast for a nice lump sum and get both part one and part two over on the website please go over and support us if you do of course there's always the patron but i am trying to push people onto the website uh because uh we do get a better cut of the profits and it supports um Audible as a whole and not just me so gentlemen how do you feel about this topic and how are you feeling about your amazing success success john and do you uh, first sorry sorry do you feel bad do you feel guilty do you feel wrong at this point, I don't feel anything. I am numb to all the pain that I have caused. <laughs> it's pretty beautiful. Nick, how about yourself? Well, it all started because I just bad touched John with Dark Elder enough times. And then he was like, you know what? If you can't beat him, join him. And John joined him. John really it, joined him. John came to me uh, about was about three weeks after Drakari dropped and said, Adam, I can't beat them. There's nothing we can do. It's over. The dream is dead. And uh, while I do think that may be the case for people like yourselves of, of your obvious top of the meta, top of the game ilk, you know, John playing a, a far less powerful off the meta Imperium faction into now the superior, the top of the meta, um, Nick Nadavati playing the best army in the game, That there is a big gap between those two things. But it's not always the case. People 
possibly further down the list, or a lot of up-and-comers who may be onto the fresh hotness or have a new take on an old faction. So, gentlemen, um, in your games, I'll, I'll, I'll start with Nick. In your games on the weekend, or in your, all your games with Drakari so far, as you have jumped on and been playing Drakari pretty consistently since their launch, what are the things that you find concerning when you are across the table from an opponent? What are the things you look at and be like, I need to be careful of that. That can mess me up. Absolutely. So um, I will say, I think as much as we we are in the land of the Dark Eldar, they're probably the most well-rounded, balanced army, like just really Dark Eldar are super powerful and then they can win any game they can show up to. They do have things they're worried about. They're not unbeatable. Um, I myself have lost a few tournament games with them. I've lost to extreme builds mostly. 24 mm-hmm. Beasts of Nurgle, um, Admech, Levels of Firepower. These, these type of extreme builds do well into Dark LR because they either just have the right profile of guns to blow me up, like in the case of Admech, or mm-hmm. in the Beasts of Nurgle, or I actually even struggled against just plain old Death Guard. Um, it was so durable, I couldn't effectively kill it. Dark Eldar, by nature, is very much attuned to killing things like Space Marines and, and a lot of very common meta armies, which is why they made such a splash. And the reason is because they have really powerful units like Liquifier X and Incubi who mm-hmm. hit so much harder than they should for their point cost relative to like a Space Marine. For example, five Incubi literally have the same stats and offense and attacks as five Blade Guard. They cost mm-hmm. less than half as much. So this obviously isn't fair until you factor in the fact that they're toughness three, one wound models instead of three wound, toughness four, two up, four up models. Yeah. So you're paying for this durability that doesn't matter is how space rings feel. And then you are like, we, I, I just die after I hit you, but it doesn't matter because you're dead <laughs> first. So yeah, there seems to be this, not fall in a trap. There seems to be this duality of profiles. Like you have, you, like you said, you have the, the incubi to kill all the, all the, the melee chunky boys, all the Marine equivalents or the, the MEQs, so to speak. And then you have all the, say the witches and the hellions and things that go in and clear things like hordes, things like pockwalkers, guardsmen, hell, Gaunts and, and, and think other things that people might want to spam. There seems to be this tightrope in the middle that the racks walk, where they like the shooting version of either either can do kind of both because of the you know the nature of their their shooting guns. And so they have this really like, like I think you said it perfectly there. They have this this weird spread of offensive outputs that kind of make them a problem for a lot of things. John, anything to extrapolate upon that? Yeah. So obviously, I mean they've they've got incredible offense. We we all kind of knew that. Um, what I actually found was this was my uh, first uh, or. This was uh, my first big tournament that I went to with Jakari, and definitely the first out of my local meta where I wasn't, you know, expecting every list that I'd play against. What I found that was that Drukari felt about as powerful as I had thought going in mm-hmm. against all of the main meta armies. Like, I, I played around into a, a Dark Angel list that had a Terminator Blob, some Attack Bikes, some Talmud, things that we very much would expect to see in a tournament. And that went about as I expected. But a lot of the random matchups that you sometimes get on day one of a tournament a lot of them were actually just more difficult than I had expected. Just, you know, playing flat out, I went in expecting, like, oh, this is just some random army, this is going to be easy. And then I had some very difficult games where, you know, random things like, you know, Armagers, Admech Breachers, mm. um, you know, a, an Ares gunship that I really did not have a game plan for going in because I didn't think I would need one or it wasn't a medalist I was expecting. Those actually all turned into hairier matchups than I expected. Uh, just because other people had started bringing kind of obscure off-the-wall guns that could kill Drukari. And uh, yeah. it actually made some things quite hard. 
That's really interesting. So uh, talking to you both about the current meta Drakari list that we've seen, so it's got a couple of units of witches, usually two to three units of Incubi with Drazar, uh, either Dark Technomancer, sorry, Dark Technomancer Rax and either Dark Technomancer Raiders or um, Black Heart Raiders. That's a, that's around about pretty much what everyone's taking. Yeah? And then some people have got, a, a, you know, some people go Bombers, some people go Hellions, some people just go the, the Court of the Archon stuff as their kind of attachment onto that core. Um do you find that people have skewed that Drakari list too far into killing things like Marines, that that leaves them exposed to some of these fringe builds? Uh, we'll start with Nick. I, I don't think so. I think what makes the Drakari army so powerful is that it casually kills Marines. That's why so mm. much of the meta is getting destroyed. That is very well going, said. I'm not going out of my way to kill these Marines. I'm, I'm actually going out of my way to make myself worse at killing Marines in my list design choices so I can be better versus other things. For example... In my list specifically, the same list John used to win the Dallas Open, I teched in the Slits and the Urgles. Um, that's kind of like my variation to the Dark Elves instead of Hellions or Void Ravens, as Adam put it. And the reason is not because these things are so awesome in Marines. Really, no. They don't do anything to Vanguard or Blade Guard. They're okay, but so is everything in my list. They're there to help versus like Chaos because they can be an amazing uh, source of like Smite Spam and against things like mm. Death Guard when you don't have another secondary to take because they don't give anything up. You can just take while we stand we fight, and you don't mind not using your slits because they don't yeah. do anything in that matter. So they're very techie in that regard. So um, I think really the thing with Dark Eldar is that they they casually kill a lot of the stuff you'd expect to fight, as John said, and they are an army that has lots of obsec units, lots of units that can perform lots of actions and screen really well and trade effectively. And they're pretty fast. They're, at the end of the day, they're really fast. Like one of the fastest armies in the games. And that plus a bit of offense is enough to basically just give them a puncher's chance in any mission versus any faction. So mm. even if you have an army that is you know, tailored to take weapon profiles, good at killing Dark Eldar and things of that nature, it's not that you have an army that hard counters Dark Eldar. It's that Dark Eldar and you can have a competitive match now. Yeah, I suppose that's what we're trying to do with this episode. We're trying to talk about some ways and means people can close the gap between having a feel-bads experience with Dark Elder and having a puncher's chance. At the minimum, having a puncher's chance. Because that's where it feels like the gap is right now. It feels like there is now... We, we talked about it when um, Death Guard and Dark Elder came out. And, some, and to some extent, Necrons, there became this, this haves and haves-nots with uh, the new kind of paradigm of strengths and weaknesses in Ninth edition. Um, John, if, if you were to clue in or key in on one thing about uh, Drakari that isn't as good as, as something other people can do, what would it be? Um, honestly, my biggest thing would be, um, I think oh, it, it's so weird because Drakari do everything pretty well. Um, mm -hmm. I think that, um, oh boy, you, you put me on the spot. This is hard. I, put you on the spot. I was going to say durability. I was, was going to say, apart from Incubi, um, nothing yeah. in the army has, 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 better than a three, has better than a four plus save, apart from Incubi. Everything else is sitting on a four plus or a five plus or hell, which is of a six plus. Yeah, I, I would say I would say reliable defense because yep. Drukhari are they're absolutely not fragile for their points, but a lot of the time it's just like one or two things go wrong and suddenly you're dead. Where yeah. Space Marines, if you if you fail one more save than is average on ten dice, it's not that big a deal. But mm -hmm. with Drukhari, a lot of times over the weekend, I found myself at like my opponent did enough wounds to exactly kill a raider if I failed all my five of invulns. And I found myself saying, like, okay, I need to pass one five up invulnerable. And then I rolled four dice and I just failed four five up invulnerable, which is not, uh, it's not that big a deal, right? You know, yeah. you sure you, you, you average one past five up invulnerable. If you roll four dice, maybe two sometimes. 
like that, that's not a reliable thing. A mm-hmm. lot of the times, and especially the games where I struggled, was like, you know, I would get shot and it'd be like, all right, take three five up envolves. They're all damaged, you know, D3 plus three, and I just failed three and I just lost the boat. Or like Halverins or, or things of that ilk is what kind of did it. Yeah, exactly right. I do like that. Um, what Nick said before about how uh, Dark Elder casually kills Marines. Well, the, the fact is that just about everybody casually kills Dark Elder. Also, you don't really if you tech in, if you if you tech harder into killing Dark Elder, of course you'll kill Dark Elder harder. You know, things like breaches have great profiles. So admin breaches, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But any old bloody Stormbolter just smashes three or four witches down. Um, but in saying that. I want to do a bit of a thinking exercise with you, gentlemen. I'll, I'll touch on, on Nick as the first one because he, he kind of piloted the list I'm drawing the comparison with. It, it feels kind of GSC-esque, a GSC at their peak. Remember, they'd come in, you'd get smashed with a couple of, you know, one one big aberrant bomb. They don't necessarily have the aberrant bomb equivalent, but they have just every unit is a unit of rock swords or a unit of repentia if we want to make that comparison. Every unit just seems to have that ilk or that level of explosiveness of that power. Uh, uh, can we look at look at ways and means to counter them uh, in similar ways to how we counter GSC and how we, we kept GSC in check? Because they they were they were running rampant quite some time, spearheaded by this man, Mister Nanavati, and his muscle beast, muscle beach list. Is that a fair comparison? you think it's it's one i never thought of making but actually it's really interesting i think you're onto something there now i i think you can go a step further why is it like why is it similar to my gsc list from from eighth edition because um they're both very janky control armies that Mm -hmm. do punch way above their weight class so gsc and dark elder both have tons of glass cans aberrants and acolytes with rock saws were awesome back in the day and everything the dark elder army just kills whatever it touches for its points um and because it's so fast and can come at you out of nowhere very much like the GSC, uh, it, you have to walk on eggshells to fight it. You can't just like walk in the middle of the board and be like, I'm tough, because they'll just obliterate you and you'll not you'll be really sad. So you have to be very far back because they're so fast. You have to be mm-hmm. at extreme angles to interact with them. And it's, it's just dancing and dance that sucks to have to dance. <laughs> so how do you fight this, I guess, is the magic question. And let's look back to the GSC meta from eighth and the way it kind of died in a fire was when space Marines come out, came out and they basically outstatted them. So mm-hmm. what else that's dark Eldar? And, and there's a couple of ways you could look at it and we kind of hinted at it already, but I'll just spell it out. Option one is you can outstat them via shooting. Like if you just apply enough auto cannons and heavy bolters, like you said, a little storm bolter will kill witches. Like you can just shoot them. It's not rockets. Knights. Now getting line of sight to them pretty freaking hard. If you get a table with lots of one sight blocking, so that's where things like Scorpius disintegrators and and airplanes like the bombers, those are really good. And why you know a lot of dark color players struggled with Mark Hurdle and his admec on the way to the top. Mm-hmm. So that's one option: is just shoot them with good stats and don't let them apply their awesome combat prowess. Easier said than done for many factions, though. And then the other application is you can be super tough against them like to the point where we keep saying they're really good for their points incubi kill whatever they touch for their points what about points aside it just can't kill it you know there is a ceiling to how hard dark mm-hmm. elder hits you it's not like multi-melter retributors like two damage mass attacks only goes so far so that like i said i've lost the 24 beasts of nurgle i couldn't even pretend i could kill it i couldn't kill a squad of them so there is a ceiling where dark elder's damage kind of stops if you can put your army on the other side of that ceiling, like 24 or like um, 15 Death Shroud Terminators under a foul blight spawn of no charging with Mortarian Anzil yep. for no rerolls, you can't kill that. There's not 
you may dark lances maybe, but like a thousand of them minus one damage stops liquefy racks. There are things that can outstat the dark guild army, and then they have no control over you. And like I said earlier, they are a control army. Mm, that's that's very well put. And so you're coming at that from a, an offensive capabilities way, because of course, like going the mono mono in combat doesn't work because they have so many fights last and fights first mechanics. So you're saying you're far better off using. Um, firstly, you're far better off just keeping it range. Don't let them get close. Shoot them before they get there. Uh, but if they do get there, and if you're playing a different kind of game, have a have a durability at such a level that when they hit, they don't just kill. Um, and things like Death Shroud Terminators, you only need one Death Shroud Terminator to technically kill 10 witches, which is kind of insane, especially, with, and I'm saying that between the, the Reaper and um, the Pistol Flamer into combat. Between those two, they, they have a, a really great profile there as well, and the minus one damage, like you said, keeps them safe from things like the Incubi and the Liquifiers. But John, anything to extrapolate upon that? Anything to add to that little thinking exercise? Um, I definitely think that that's a good way to do it. Um, a lot of people have tried to the I'm going to hit Dark Eldar first and hope that I hit them hard enough approach. Um, that's a very, very swingy and unreliable one, which some people will accept as that's their best chance to do Dark Eldar. But I find that practically in a tournament, especially as you start running into, you know, the good tournament players who recently switched to Dark Eldar, that's almost never going to be enough. I actually, you know, again, I found that what really hurt me the most was exactly like what Nick said. It was those armies that the stat check was you know not just strictly in my favor you know mm. probably the most nail-biting game that i had this weekend was actually one against you know same as nick here actually uh 14 death shrouds and that yeah. you know that suddenly that point where all i was doing to try and stop them was shooting dark lances at it from a relatively safe distance and hoping that this was a turn where he failed a couple of forex and if it wasn't mm. the turn where he failed a couple of forex i literally did nothing with my turn and we moved on and 20 percent of the game is over yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, so, fourteen dash. Is, is that what do you, do you believe people need to start doing that in this short term, where Drakari is kind of running the show? Do you think people need to pivot into more of these defensive or offensive skews, John? Yeah, and absolutely, Drakari have changed the game. You know, not everyone is happy about it, but at this point, I think everyone acknowledges it. Drakari has changed the game, and trying to fit into the old play style but better in order to beat Drakari doesn't really feel like a very viable win path going forward. And it's definitely not a reliable one. You know, you could probably pull it off once in five games, but I, I guarantee just the way this always works, that one in five games is going to be the game you play on a Thursday night at your buddy's house, not the game you play at the tournament. It, it never quite gets that lucky. Yes, but spot on. I totally agree with that point as well. Um, so... I think there's actually a third point uh, regarding Dark Elder. I'll stay with you for this one, John. Um, people talk about their ability to trade up, so to speak. Are you able to explain what you, what people mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So trading up is basically when you're able to use a unit of a given points cost and go kill something or get a roll done that is worth more than those points. So if you take a, an 80-point Incubi squad and you go wipe out a 140-point Vanguard veteran squad and then you die to something, you have essentially traded up. You're, the, the goal yeah. is that you made that trade, your Incubi got traded for a Vanguard Veteran unit, you lost less points than your opponent is, did, and now you're basically continuing to play the game, except you have 1920 points left and your opponent has 1860. And then you do it again. You trade, you know, mm. you, you do it again. You trade, you know, your Cavalry Trueborn for, you know, a Land Raider, and you trade your Witches for a Terminator squad, and you keep doing this and eventually you have a thousand points left and your opponent has 500 
And at that point, the game is not very fun for the 500-point army. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, so yeah, there's this massive propensity because of the the points cost of a lot of the Drakari units. I'm not saying they're overcosted, undercosted, or, or whatnot. That's a that's a topic for another day. But uh, just saying that these things uh, have this explosive ability, and due to their speed and the nature of how Drakari are built, especially with power from pain, that they just go across the board and they find something that's more important than they are, and they kill it. Is that is that an easy way to say it for people? Yep, that's a pretty good summary right there. All right, hitting it over to Nick uh, for this point. Do you think there is any ability for armies to MSU down hard enough, low enough with the point scores of their units that they cannot let them trade up? And just by, by dint of being cheap, they don't let them trade up. Absolutely. I don't think every army can can attempt this. Like your, your custodies army is not going to MSU out <laughs> Dark Elbar, you know? Um Your spacer army... You probably aren't either, but if you were going to try it, I would recommend using Space Wolves because they have things like three man or uh, solo side rolls, five yeah. different region wolves. They mm. can take cheaper troops in the form of Blood Claws just to make that a little bit less painful when you when you do lose those units. Um, and they have Fight Last, can, which can try to slow down the Dark Eldar stuff. Also, Dark Eldar don't really love shooting Dreadnoughts with four up invuls. You know, the, the minus one damage sucks for the Incubi and the Racks, like we talked about. And then Dark Angels, which you or Dark Knights, which you'd love to shoot into tanks, um, four pinvals, you know, fifty fifty at least. That's not so bad. Minus one damage means it's probably three or four hits to kill a dreadnought instead of uh, two. So yeah, that helps. <laughs> um, there's little stuff like that, which just goes a long way to make your life a little bit easier. Um, but yes, yeah, so armies like Sisters. I think Sisters are great at going down in value to, to MSU fight Dark Elder with fire with fire type thing. Yep. Five witches don't even trade that well into five just bloody rose sisters of battle. That's a pretty even battle. Exactly. Five right. repentance, five incubi, eighty versus eighty. You can fight right back at them. Mm. Where you get lose value a little bit is um your raiders. Like they have raiders and you have rhinos, and, and that sucks. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. Um, so you do have you do have that going into it. Um, but you're playing like you definitely just playing sisters. Have a good chance against Dark Gather, at least good enough to like have a respectable one. Like, you can fight fire with fire there. Yeah, also, uh, little tech for sisters players. Just add a couple flamers here and there, like Sarah from the hand flamers, take a little few more of those. Maybe put a heavy flamer on your retributors instead of triple multi melta, triple tablet cherubs, like stuff like that is really good versus the Dark Gather meta as well. And it's little adjustments can go a long way. Because you're teching for them, they're not teching for you. That's how the, that's how teching against something works. Yeah, and that's that's what happens when um, I, I use the the term, I use a comparison between uh, a tennis term actually. So Roger Federer was like the tennis champion of champions for you know five or six years. He just didn't didn't lose anything, and then he started losing everything because his style of playing the game, everybody underneath him trained against, practiced against, figured out. He had, and then he went back and, and tried to reinvent himself, and you know has had less success, but is still very successful. That is where Drakari are right now. They are they are setting the pace of the meta for everybody and everybody while we have to chase them everyone gets to chase them we are we get to evolve to them they are the static um immovable point at the top of this mountain and we all get to climb towards it and so that i guess it's it's a lot harder than it usually is like it was a lot easier to climb towards the castellan so to speak and some of the other more bothering builds out there than there was like the i had no problems with the the calidus grav tanks and things of that that nature that was, that was fine i could meta against those these guys are harder than most but there are still ways and means that's what we're trying to get to with this episode um as john are there any other ones that you can see that could um 
cut them down in the trade war, as in you know, make them so they don't trade up. I've got a few other a few other ones in my mind. Yeah. So one of the things that you can do is you, not every army can just be cheaper than Dark Elder per unit. That's yeah. a very, I say high bar. It's really a low points bar to set. But one of the things you can do is limit how much your Drupari opponent can interact with. Um, because if so, a couple ways to do that. One is indirect fire. Where if you can do damage without exposing yourself whatsoever, mm-hmm. then this this is no longer am I trading value for value. You're taking something and uh, they, they're not taking anything back. They have to make up the difference somewhere else. The second is limiting their ability to interact with multiple things at a time. So, for example, if you have an... A, we've used sisters a couple times already, so I'll just use them here. If you have five sisters and five repentia and five retributors all out on the table on foot and they get charged by a bunch of things, the Drukhari player can trade three units for those three units. And that's it. They can kill for three units, then you'll kill the three units back, and then you you compare the trade and see who traded up, mm. who traded down. Yeah. And if you are in a transport, or if you are literally wrapped in models that cannot be charged behind a wall where you cannot be interacted with, your Drukhari opponent only has so much that they can trade into. If you have five Repentia and five Sisters in a Rhino, your Drukhari opponent will never get more than 80 points uh, value, no matter how much how many mm. resources they send in. Yeah. If they send in one unit and kill the rhino, they get eighty points. If they send in four units and kill the rhino, they get eighty points. They lose the ability to continually trade uh, yep. when you have transports like that. And that it that just having ways to limit that, I think, is really really beneficial because you can't let the Drukhari just take their pound of flesh every turn, or you'll be down by so much on turn three or four that the game is no longer playable. Exactly right. Really what you want to avoid. Mm-hmm. All right, hitting this next question over to Nick. There is a there's a fringe way that I've uh, me and my mates have kind of conjured of playing them. It's playing the kind of reserve battle. Um, Drakari, I'm not knowing playing putting anything in reserve. There literally is zero things in reserve. Maybe if they brought a bomber, it's in reserve. If it's going to auto die if they go second or whatnot. But uh, usually there's nothing in reserve. And I, from what I've seen from you, you gentlemen playing Drakari, you've never reserved a damn thing. Um, is there a thing for just taking a crap load of MSU on the table and then a crap load of MSU that starts off the table and just trying to play a bit of a reserve battle? One of the great strengths that you have is that if you leave something off the table and you play a very defensive game, Drakari at some point are going to come into you and you can walk off the backboard edge, sometimes straight into combat, sometimes straight into melter or flamer range. Is that a tool or is, is that a tool set people can lean into? Or is that a fringe something that people can do game by game? I wouldn't recommend making it like. A fa- uh, like a focal point of your army, like don't put a thousand points of mm. stuff into reserves against Dark Eldar. If my mission in life is to screen and make your life hard because you've gone too deep in reserves, I have a million units that move very quickly and I don't care about them. I can screen the whole TAM table. Yeah, but that's, if that's you the have, concern. Yeah. If you have like a unit of Electro Priest with the Jazz Hands, with the shooty kind, or if you have some other kind of like decently explosive mid to short range firepower unit that you can trade and cause me real like i'll need to screen it or like if you can keep me screening for multiple turns by having units that can redeploy and be quite damaging when they do um it's just more needlessly throwing away units from my point of view right like so i have tons and tons of screens but i have to use them you know Mm -hmm. and while that's not particularly costly it does cost me 50 points every turn to throw five warriors away it does cost me a raider if i'm if i'm have to put one out there to the screening gods and if you're doing that while playing the rest of my game, if my whole plan was to trade up on you and take take more than I should every turn from your army, 
Well, now if I'm doing a trade over here, that is a trade up, but then you're also getting to take away some warriors or raider on the side because you put you're you're forcing the screen. Now the net of the turn is is kind of more even and balanced there. So mm. it, it's a good tool to keep in the pocket, but I don't think it's a strategy. Yeah, it's it's not something you you build your list around. It's more of a, a game by game. Should you need it, you can do this. Um, but if you were going to build into it, the I mean the the retributors are the obvious um, the obvious thing people should look at. Hey, can you can you take something of the ilk of a unit of retributors with two or three multi melters that you can bring on from pretty much any board edge, and they'll have a range to something decent because they've got range for most of the board. The, the, can people look at units like that and see if their army can take them? I mean, there there is an there is an excuse for saying, hey, just three or four admeg breaches is coming on from the back board edge 36 inch range they pop they, they get pretty close to popping a radar for every three or four man depending on the buffs and the re-rolls is there is there you know much argument there i think it's more if you um you have to read the table like yeah i would definitely yeah. include these units like three or four breachers i would definitely include multi-melter retributors my sisters you want to have the ability to blow dark elder up from range that's a really powerful thing to bring indirect fire if you can do it that way even better but whether or not you outflank them or deep strike them, if that's mm -hmm. an option, versus deploy them, is entirely dependent on how you have to look at where the objectives are in relation to the terrain. How is the Dark Eldar player going to stage their attack? Is there one ruin in their deployment zone where you know all six raiders are going to sit behind? Are there mm -hmm. two or three places where they can sprinkle a couple raiders here, there, and whatever? Because that completely changes how much control over the whole table they have. So if you need to attack one little castle, maybe it helps to... To deep strike upon it and really get on top of it but if you need to attack all these different angles you can probably just deploy and get an angle somewhere and save yourself some cp yeah yes but on i'm well said sorry john go i think that the best thing to do here is use reserves to force a screen which actually means that you don't want it to be a 36 inch breacher unit because if i see a 36 inch breacher unit in reserves i know i just immediately think okay this thing's going to shoot me on turn two and it's not yeah. going to shoot me on turn one and i'm just going to yep. roll with that yes and yeah, yeah, and that, that's how I see that. And because if you go too heavy into that, I immediately think, well, now I know this isn't doing anything turn one. So if I go first and like you put a thousand points in reserve, my thought is no longer screen. My thought is, can I kill your other thousand points on my turn too? Yeah. Can I just wreck you so hard? You know, because like if I just beeline at you and you only have a thousand points to try to stop me, that's not enough in one turn. And then I hit you with everything and just, you know, then your reserves arrive and, you know, gaze upon your dead deployment zone. <laughs> Dude, and, and absolutely spot on. There are the pros and cons for a play like that or leaning into that. Um, and, and absolutely right. Like, you, let's say you do, you leave half your army off and you go second versus Drakari mm -hmm. and they've got two turns to, to play 2,000 points versus 1,000 points. That's horrible. <laughs> absolutely yeah, exactly, horrific. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I think like the best things to use are like, you know, I always think of the Imperium mindset, but things like, you know, 10 Corpus Gari, maybe four Flamer yep. Aggressors. Um, a yep. retributor squad with multi melters because you know even though the retributor squads with multi melters they have range you have incentive to not let them get really close yeah. so it kind of still forces them screens repent are great at that and yeah just making random stuff spread across the battlefield for drukari into line of sight sometimes that provides a ton of value right there mm. There are some other, so we've talked a lot about Imperium, talked about Sisters and Admech in particular, and of those at home, you could probably tell this is the one we think, these are the two armies we think have the best plays into them right now. But let's shift our focus a little bit, talk a little bit about some of the, the Chaos and the Xenos builds. I'm of a weird perception that Orcs are okay into Drakari. Am I crazy? Am I, am I tripping? What kind of orcs are we talking about? I'll, I'll, it's, 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 it's MSU. It's, it's MSU as hard. So it's three into commanders, three into storm boys, a bunch of buggies, um, some possibly some smash guns or mech guns, and then just like 
I played against this. I basically played against this army at uh, the Dallas Open. Of course you did, yeah. It was like it was literally that. It was like 12 smasher guns. It was three of the Grot Kill tanks. It was one of the Blasbam Blast Abomaboomo jets. It was uh, three Megatrap Scap Killer things, the buggies. I don't know. Um, three solo Defcopters, three solo com- three Commandos. It yeah. was exactly this army. Um, I, I had to play the angles really well. And that helped that I got a board that I was able to because all that stuff is direct line of sight shooting and not good at getting angles. So once I was able to find an avenue of attack that really blocked line of sight to him, it let me sneak up the table and get board control back. Mm-hmm. And a big issue is that Chardonnay's work again, or not Chardonnay's, okay, but yeah. No Escape works against yeah. everything in that faction. So um, you can trap yourself in combat really well. Um, I think there was there comes a point where you just kind of get there and they're trapped. So if you can build that style of army, maybe not as all in on the guns, but then with some counter punch, so one I do just trap you with, which is the game's not over. You can punch your way through it. Um, I think that could actually could be troublesome. Yeah, like it has to have mm. definitely enough guns that I'm terrified to like come out from a very specific avenue of an attack. Um, but then enough punch that when I get there, I'm not just the game's not over. Yeah, I suppose the other element of that, which um, I think might take the place of say some of the bigger because he had some kill tanks and the, the grot tanks and stuff i think truck boys or or, or, bo- or or just trucks with like tank busters in it um seem really good all of a sudden i mean not not a, not incredible but they seem a, be- a far better tool than they were before definitely blown before but they're, they're very pricey is what i don't like about them and yeah because you're, you're taking something expensive in a truck that's really crappy compared to a raider mm. to kill a raider full of stuff but see the thing is that raider kills a rhino. That raider, th- those raiders kill. Uh, the, sorry, two or three raider shots kills a rhino. Kills a kills a predator. Kills a you know da- comes damn close to killing a repulsor. The same two shots or three shots still kills a truck. So is there something to be saying for hey, don't overinvest in in durability when you don't have it and just take more stuff? Well, I, I think the truck is expensive, and I think the tank buses oh, are expensive. Points, how many points? I mean, tank buses for sure are expensive. How many, how many points is the truck off the top of your head? It's like, it's like I seventy. I, I, I thought, yeah, I thought it was seventy. I thought it was comparable to a Raider, and of course, yeah, it, oh, doesn't, it doesn't do it what is a Raider does. Comparable to a Raider, but that's the problem. It's comparable to Raider. When I think of cheap work stuff, I'm thinking like thirty point smasher guns or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fair. <laughs> that's very fair. Um, another one to talk about is Necrons. Now, I was hoping we'd have Richard on here for this one, but you guys play Richard enough and pick his brain enough. I'm sure you guys can speak to it a little bit. What avenues do Necrons have moving forward? Not to steal the show, but um, I I just played this game today, and I do think Richard's onto something. He ran the uh, he just ran the opsec army, you know. Uh, the the three game moves that everyone talks about, but he didn't do it in the in the traditional way of taking like twenty seven scarabs and wraiths and scorpion destroyers and running at you. He did it with warriors. He took like eighty warriors and two ghost arcs and some and then some amount of scarabs and other stuff, and really just abused reanimation mm. and and double models as obsec. So it was like two or three warriors attacking an objective or like five warriors attacking an objective. And I have to commit so many models to contest it yeah. if I try to kill him. My Dark Eldar don't pick up 20 warriors in one instance. Like five incubi only have like 17 attacks. It's not happening. Um, they don't even have 17. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have 20 for the record. I was close. <laughs> and, but they don't kill 20 attacks, don't kill 20 warriors. I'm promising. Yeah. So, especially, so they especially reanimate, the five plus. Mm. And then they just go all over the place on the objectives. And Dark Eldar stick a large part of their win condition at the end of the day, if even tabling you aside. Is they dominate the mission. They they're really mm. fast. They're good at actions. They're good at engage. They're good at battlefield supremacy and primary points. You're good at all of that. Um, Necrons are better in ways with the reanimating and the double obsec. So leaning into that, I think, is a really good answer. Exactly right. I, I 
I kind of had an inkling that uh, that would be the case. I think I think Necrons are the the current sleeper of the meta into Drakari Menace. I also feel like they have a sneaky okay MSU build that not many people are leaning into with like a, a bunch of Praetorians. Uh, funnily enough, um, uh, if only if only Aphidian Destroyers were a little bit cheaper, I think into Drakari they would be pretty amazing uh, because they have all the right profiles to kill pretty much anything Drakari have. It's just the durability is not there against all the other matchups. Is that is that fair to say? They have this weird kind of when they go MSU, um, you can really stretch some armies, but then get exposed to others. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I love Affinity Destroyers. I mean, mostly I'm a sucker for the models, but their damage output is so good. And you know, it kind of could be what you're saying with orcs, where like if you're not durable enough to survive Drukari, don't even try, and instead well, focus on the yeah. more stuff and maybe just taking you know. Once you've got your little, you know, Scorpex squads, yeah, just take a couple little Ophidian squads too, just mm-hmm. a couple three mans, just to be cheap and go, you know, run through a wall and jump on someone. I suppose that's the line we're trying to. I'm trying to point out for people that if so, Drakari literally with enough CP, enough application of resources, can kill anything they kind of want. Come turn two, come turn three, they can pretty much put enough things there to kill whatever they want. So either take things that they can't kill, like, and I think the, the point was before, things of the ilk of Death Shroud, things of the, these uber potent, um, durable units as a deterrent, or just take stuff that's not worth an overinvestment. Um, I suppose um, I think that's what we're trying to draw people to. And Necrons, I, I think, from what Nick said, are an ex- excellent example. They have the duality of having the twenty warrior bricks with the five plus invuln that can, you know, even if you do chuck, you know, ten blood brides and friggin' a bunch of uh, incubi in there, if the the five pluses and the reanimations go in certain ways from a first round of attacks, pull yourself out of combat, double down on other combat, jump around, do shenanigans, and you can just spike the five pluses on the invulns and then just not die when you should, or um, you can take things like, oh, here's my three units of five Im- immortals for my battalion, and then here's three inch three scarabs that are obsec, three inch praetorians that are obsec, three inch of race, three inch of three race that are obsec, and just go absolutely uh, bananas on every other facet of the game. Hitting that over to Nick, anything to speak to that point? Sorry, not gonna lie, I spaced out for a second because someone messaged me. Ignore. Hitting it to John, anything to say to that point? No, I, I think that's absolutely the right approach. Um, that, that has to be one of them, at least, you know, you can't just out trade Drukari, though. I think that you need nah. to have, I think that needs to be an element of the army, not the entire plan of the army. Because I That's think if you make it, I think that you want to put a lot of MSU elements into a list that can also do something else. So yeah. one of the things that we tried to do in Cough Cough, going to mention Sisters again, was we tried to make a very MSU, very tradey sisters list that had like a lot of the little um elite like priestly units like you know archiflagians that don't take a slot mm-hmm. to help get more msu into a single battalion and we still couldn't just out msu dark killer that, that yeah. didn't feel achievable so what we instead focused on was the fact that yes we're we're almost as msu as them enough to play their game and then we also picked the one thing that sisters do better than drukari which is kill tanks at range uh dark mm-hmm. lances are good but also sometimes you you shoot you know Five dark lances, you get four hits, and you roll three twos to wound. Like that just yeah. that just happens. There's no rerolls yeah. on the wound. You can command point one of them, but you know that feels like a little bit of a waste sometimes. And instead, you know, like retributors are just so much more reliable at this exact same gameplay. Mm-hmm. And if you can get that sister's army to pop a bunch of raiders and still have its rhinos intact with worse MSU than Dark Elder inside, but you're the one who has boats, not them. Suddenly, this doesn't feel like it's an unwinnable matchup. It's not easy. This is still yeah. Drakari we're playing against here. But suddenly, it feels like the tools are there to actually 
have a game, have a winnable game. And I think and those are the things you focus on. Now, I just want people to remember that we're not here telling you what you need to go run out and, and spend a thousand dollars on building in order to to beat the Drakari menace. We're talking about how you can close the gap to have a puncher's chance against them. And wherever possible, look, you still need to have a good countermeasure build, play perfectly, and possibly be just highly better skilled than your opponent to, be, to beat them on these terms. But at mm -hmm. least we have some kind of terms. We have some kind of ins. Of course, if there was, if there was a good countermeasure build, if there was obviously one that stood out that's obviously just going to do the job, these gentlemen would have played that instead of, the, instead of five players in the top five of the Dallas Open all playing Drakari and losing four games between them. <laughs> there was five, the top five lost four games um, and they were all Drakari players. That's, that's actually absolutely absurd as soon as I said that. Um, but Nick, that's pretty much what we're here to do, yeah? We're here to give try and give people a puncher's chance. Here's the tech, here's the, the ways to build and construct a list that just won't get run over, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's you summed it up perfectly. These are not magic silver bullets that just go through Drakari and insta-kill them, but they're honestly just small adjustments and ideas and thinking and modalities that do work against them. So mm. think about that and think about these are the tools that I want to include. These are the ideas that, you know, the Art of War guys told me will help against Drakari incorporate that in your list design and that'll give you a naturally better chance against them yeah 100 percent agree um any other facets of this we, we, we want to break down um i think there is something to be said for the characters in drukari and i think there's something to be said for trying to get some kind of not your own characters to go and kill theirs but some ways and means of limiting what they can do eg through uses of things like um six inch intervention fights last characters to counteract their fights last so if you're fighting across multiple fronts you can engage in different ways so i want to kind of shift our focus to talking about tech pieces people can include when we were when john and i did the similar thing over on the other Idle War stream for Dark Angels. We talked about um, getting fights last into it, getting some spiky mortal wounds into your list to try and handle all the Dark Angels Terminators. Where are some, what are some tech people, people, people can add to their lists just to give them a little bit of a, a leg up? John. Okay, so um, a lot of that is actually so applicable. Um, if you're going to take an MSU element to your list, I think having fight last is still really huge. Just mm -hmm. because if you want to fight Drukhari on multiple fronts, one, some of their stuff just fights first, which means you can't make that fight last. You need to um, you need to charge one of those a turn and just swing on that one first. But you can still charge a, a Cult of Strike unit here and something else with a fight last and then be okay. And yeah. then you can try to remove two things at a time. Because if you try to remove Drukhari one at a time, then you know you're they just have more stuff than you can remove in five turns. If you do it yeah. one at a time, you kill five things and they have 19 units left at the end of turn five. That's bad. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't even matter, and I think that's also certainly something I've seen. A lot of drug, dark elder players have been saying it just feels weird to have, you know, seventy percent of my army still left at the end of the game, just to have so much stuff left, so much ability to to continue mm -hmm. to play the game and to play the mission. Um, I think we need to uh, break down fight. I think we're at the point now where fights last has become such a paradigm and cornerstone of a lot of different lists, a lot of different armies. We need to break down its applications. I think there's offensive fights last, and now there's defensive fights last. Offensive fights last, I, I picture things like a whirlwind that can sit at the back of the board, target wherever it wants, pair CP, and give its flights last. So that it enables you to use it aggressively. And then you have things like the guys with, uh, you know, your uh, Wolf Lord with the Pelt of Rust is your defensive fights last because it has the heroic intervention of six inches, can go in and protect you when you are invested upon. Is that a correct way of looking at this thing or is there another type? No, I think that's definitely right. Like, it doesn't have to be necessarily fights last, but the categories of like, the foul blight spawn, you know, that's yeah. very defensive fight last type thing, very defensive. You're not really aggressively trying to apply it. 
this is where the Judah card kind of fell out because it's it was it became very kind of crappy with a three inch or you couldn't really use it defensively or aggressively. There was like the beginning edition, he was really popular. So yeah, aggressive fight last is very hard to find, but uh they it does exist. Like the whirlwind's an example. You can also just have like the Archon with Hatred Eternal. Yep. Sorry, ancient evil, that warlord trait. Uh, you'll see this very commonly in Dark Ellis. It's a, it's a guy who can advance and charge out a raider and makes you fight less. So you can charge like Incubi in one spot and Incubi in another spot and not worry about an interrupt. And happy. We're trying not to help the Dark Elder players here, Nick. What, what are you oh, doing? Oh, my bad. <laughs> no, I, I, so it's fine. But, but yeah, this, this concept of, of aggressive fight last, defensive fight last. That's yeah, totally let's cool. pretend you said Draxus instead of a Draxus. Yeah, that one. Perfect. I was about to say the Collector's Assassin, uh, John. Is that something you've looked at? Or know thy or? enemy, Adam. Know thy enemy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have actually been really considering the Collectus for exactly that. The fight last, um, and also you know generically good uh, character. You know hitting on sixes. Honestly, I've even been thinking about putting a Collectus into my Space Marine list, which is mm -hmm. painful because I like having two thousand points of Space Marines. But yeah. a Collectus just kind of is something different that gives you a lot of value, especially if you're not taking a Psyker in a given Space Marine list, suddenly that Kalexis feels very good. Yes, it really, really does, doesn't it? But but break down the application there, because it, is, it works a little bit different to a, a, a Judicia, but it's it's kind of better and worse at the same time. Absolutely. So it's better and worse because uh, it's a three-inch uh, make someone fight last, but it is a stratagem. So you, one, you have to pay for it means you have to have the command points left to use it. And it's two CP, which is about the same cost as an interrupt. Mm -hmm. um, so I, for me, I prefer having Draxus because since it's three inches, it's um, one, it's reactive, which means that you can use it when you're charged. Um, but it also means that you have to get very close to use it. So you basically have to be charging where Draxus also has to be charging, but it's free, but it's also not reactive. It's not something you can use on defense. It's yeah. only when Draxus charges, not when you charge Draxus. You can charge Draxus and not fight last. But the Kalexus, you can use it in both ways as long as you have enough CP to threaten that. You don't have mm -hmm. to use it. As long as you've got those two CP and, you, and you're being honest and upfront with your opponent, they're never really going to get to do it. Yeah, fair enough. We able to we able to reel off some more factions that have good uh, aggressive and defensive fights last. I, I, I'm going to lament and say I don't think orcs have any fights last. I will actually they do. They have yes, an offensive perfect. fight last. I believe it is a psychic power, and that awesome. may be that may be. Uh, it has to be one of the, one of the clan. Ones. It's one of the it's one of the clan locked ones from their psychic awakening. Um, it's um, I want to say it's snake bites, which That's, is uh, yep. which makes it tricky. Um, yeah. Which makes it uh, tricky, but that could be something you want to factor in. Um, the hive mind super faction, or baby baby super faction, they have two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have paroxysm, and then paroxysm they have and what's yep. the other one? Mass hypnosis off gene store cult. Yeah, um, they definitely have access to it. Uh, Necrons have the Silent King himself, um, and I believe they have a relic for Sawtech that does a similar effect. It's either relic or whirling trade, but I believe Sawtech. Uh, maybe Nick has a better answer on that one. Do Necrons have a, a fight last in Sawtech? Um, I think they do. I think it's uh, it's like Sandrek or something. I think so. Might be a relic for the Sawtech. It's a it's a Sawtech relic. That's what mm. it is. Okay. It's, it's so not that going, easy to apply. I wouldn't. Yeah, going back to the other one because obviously the Silent King is is one of the best forms of fight last that we still have. It is of the ilk of the the uh, Putrefier, whatever his name is, the stinky stinky mm -hmm. boy from the Death Guard. He's yeah. the same ilk. He is four times, five times as expensive. Is he something that um that legitimately Necron players need to put in their list now, or is he I something that is? 
Because he's, he's so vulnerable to Dark Lances. Yeah, I say no because I don't think that the Necron game plan is going to revolve around MSU trying to mm-hmm. um, kill the opponent. Where the fight, if you bring the Silent King, it becomes not that. Yes, exactly. Because right. the Silent King buffs all the core stuff, and core is not what you're spamming if you're trying to MSU people. Spot on, man. I was about to, I was about to draw the same conclusion. I feel like he's he's in the wrong position for us. So maybe you are looking at the Sawtex thing if you if you want to get it in somewhere, um, in here and there. Uh, what are some other aggressive and defensive fight lasts that are out there? I think we've covered probably the vast majority of them. Chaos but- is the one that I'm not that I'm not as familiar with. I actually believe that there is a uh, a very specific um, warlord trait for the scourged. One yep. of the the renegade chapters has a fight lat. It is essentially like an, an old style vexator mask, where it's mm-hmm. a six inch pick a unit fight last. Yep, and that's so, really powerful. And, and that, that's a weird one because you have to. I believe it's a warlord trait. So mm-hmm. since chaos doesn't really buy extra warlord traits, that means that's a warlord. But also, chaos doesn't have a lot of game defining warlord traits other than death guard itself. So in a mm-hmm. non death guard chaos list. Usually, usually you're not losing that much by giving up whatever your nor- normal warlord trait was. Usually, it was this character is a little bit better at killing you, or is a little bit tougher, which are both nice, but they're not ultra necessary. Exactly right. I was actually going to be coming at Chaos from a different perspective because uh, Chaos is possibly the only other faction in the game that can fight them on the fight first, fight first um, mechanic. They don't need they don't necessarily need to to give them fights last when everything they can take things that just have fight first on mass and therefore create the same issue for the dark elder that hey if you do come into me with multiple things i'm still going to fight you before some stuff anyway is that safe to say yeah i think so um i'm much less the chaos expert than uh, nick is here um so i will defer to him if he disagrees with me but i think that if you can get into that msu trade playstyle and you've got a bunch of fight first it gives them the same pause that normally yeah. you give to other people because they rely on going with fight last, and again, as long as that chaos player has two CP, if they're going for that playstyle, it's very hard to all in them in combat. They have to focus mm-hmm. on their shooting, their transport play. But I'm afraid that it's weird because the chaos MSU builds are a little bit harder to peg down. It usually ends up being chaos facing with demon allies, and yep. it's a kind of incoherent looking army. So mm-hmm. I, I think that chaos has to lean into their unconventional nature personally and go with the more skew builds. Like the Death Guard Terminators, the uh, the Foul Blight spawns, uh, Emperor's Children as well. I think that's yeah. the more successful approach than trying to ape the MSU of the Killer. Agreed. Nick, anything to add? No, I think that's pretty fair. I think John hit the nail on the head with the um, the idea of going more skew and going to the unorthodox nature. I think now's the time to open up your Chaos Drink Tank and really get creative. Just to give you some ideas that I've been working on, um, I think... Uh, as I had mentioned, Deathrod Terminators are a great counter to Dark Eldar. The Flamers just don't stop coming, and they suck for Dark Eldar. And the combination of the Foulblight spawning wars rerolls is great against that, uh, Dark Eldar as well. But another idea could be just something like taking uh, a Foul, Foulblight spawn in a Ferryman detachment, and then keep extending his range to twelve inches, and then taking just mass amounts of uh, demonettes and fast demon mm-hmm. things, maybe. Uh, word bearers possessed that are slanesh, for example. So you can really not be as fast as Dark Elder, but you're not slow, and your whole army is always strikes first and counters not being charged. It's really hard for them to interact with you. From there, you could start taking things like the Epitome or Fiends who can trap mm. stuff in close combat, and then you they don't have answers to that. So there are ways you can you can creatively solve Dark Elder because as, as Adam said earlier, 
they're the top of the mountain. We're all climbing the mountain, but the top of the mountain doesn't move. You can see it and you can prepare to climb. Yeah. So look for those kinds of things. Exactly right. Last one I want to talk about is not the mirror, but like Crawford Dutter and Harlequins. Where did where did they find an in? I, I I had somebody in the comments come at me and say I didn't understand Harlequins properly if I if I thought that witches were just better versions of Harlequins and mass. I I. I've got to say, I disagree. I do think in a lot of ways they play the same way. It's just there's a different uh, rule set, a different tool set for each one, but it's still the same kind of wind path. But uh, the uh, Harlequins and Craftwood Elder, and uh, in, in some ways the mirror match, what do they do to counter each other? What do they do to, to close the gap there, do you think? In a lot of ways, Harlequins and Eldar are actually good at fighting Dark Eldar. I know I was Sean to say. Yep. kind of uh, highlighted this with his Eldari mixture. He runs Night Spinners, which we talked about how yep. like Admech Scorpius are good at indirect, are good indirect fire and direct color. It's the same thing. Strain seven, rending, lots of shots, reroll a hit, reroll a wound, ignores cover for the like so you can kill Yankee and ignore their strat for plus two cover saves. It's really good. And then they have Dark Reapers. You could actually Sean wasn't running the Tempest launcher, he was just running the fast shot Exarch for four shots, reroll a hit, reroll a wound. Really good at killing raiders. Um, the, the two shot profile is really good at killing the troops. Mm-hmm. Um, you could run the Tempest launcher and just blow up Dark Eldar infantry as they yep. fall out of the Raiders. The Night Spinners blow up. There's tons of ways you can slaughter them that way. If you're doing Harlequins, uh, you're right. Witches are, I think, a lot of ways just cheaper, better Harlequins because they're, they're cheaper and more expendable when you trade them. And a Raider is not necessarily better than a Star Weaver, but it's way more damaging. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the, the Raiders could kill a Star Weavers. Star Weavers aren't really killing Raiders. Yeah. But um, the thing you have as an advantage of them is you're faster, so you have tempo yep. control. Um, Dark Elder, I don't really know what it's like to honestly play Dark Elder without being the one in tempo control. I would say when it happens, it's been against, like, the Admech when they're out shooting me, and it sucks. And you that's if you can take that away from them by letting them you dictate the pace of the game, not the Dark Elder player, that's really good. Um, Skyweavers, they can really cause a muck of raiders, so you can at least mm-hmm. engage those firefights. And the minus six inch range thing is your best friend because Rackifiers really hate that. Yeah, man. I was about to say it's the best. It's currently right now. I think that minus six inch range is the best like uh, Rackifier counter there is right now because I, I don't see any real way of stopping them from just wrecking your wrecking your face before they die. Like they, then you might get to kill them. You probably get to, get to kill them if they rock up and you've you know got a good game plan. You're taking them to account into your list build. But is there any way to actually just stop them being able to wreck you? I think the well, minus six inch range is the only way. There's a few for various different factions. Minus six inch range absolutely is one. But if you can have something like Dark Angel Terminators, like they they don't care. Like don't minus get, one yeah. damage. Yeah, that's like true. One up armor says they don't give a crap. I heal and erase the damage. Forget it. Um, I've used. Rackifiers in a lot of games, and I find it's not it's it's more about the small interactions. So uh here's an example. I, I played against noise marines, a big unit of 20 noise marines in at Dallas, and I had my whole army directly across it. I was going first. He kind of deployed on the line for me. I I could have came forward with the rackifier ability, flew directly towards this noise marine unit and just shot four rackifiers into yep. them and saw how much damage that did. And I think a lot of players would have gone for it, and I was really, really tempted to. The reason I didn't was basically because Matt says I get 14 shots and I wound like nine times. Then he's got a cover save on some of them, so I kill four or five, and that's really just not that great. It's it's just not like four or five noise marines for my rack of fire boat. That's not a trade I want to make. I want the thing shooting for four or five turns, and making your life miserable. 
So you can kind of bait it out, get your opponent to overextend it. You know, it'll hurt, it'll slap you, but mm. get it out early if you can. Yeah, we'll do. Um, gentlemen, I think I think that pretty much brings us to the journey we wanted to. We could talk at nauseum about the the intricacies of these matchups. We just really wanted to throw some tools and some knowledge out there because a lot of people there are some people getting uh, doom and gloom. Some people are standing defiant in the face of this juggernaut, and others are like, "Woe is me!" And we just wanted to give some. So put out some tools, put out some knowledge of things you can do uh, to hurt this win, this 75% win rate of Jukari. But John, I'll give you a, a chance to say the, the closing thoughts of anything you wanted to add or extrapolate from what Nick mentioned. Um, I Honestly, I think that um, the last thing that I would say is if you're playing against Jukari, understand your role in this matchup, and mm. that is the underdog. And do yeah. not, and and you know what? Maybe you do have a secret dark color counter list. They will start to emerge some of them, and maybe you won't be the uh, the underdog in all cases. But there's a seventy percent chance that you're going into this matchup as the underdog. And if you are, embrace it. The underdog does not need to play super conservative and make sure that nothing goes wrong to preserve their game plan. Because mm-hmm. the game plan, if you're playing against Drukari, is that you're going to lose, and yeah. you need to break that. And that may involve taking some risks. So honestly, I think that's something that people should embrace. Where yeah, I don't think agree. anything's beating I don't think anyone's beating Dukari consistently. Mm-hmm. And you're not trying to beat Dukari all five times of the five games you play them, because you're not going to play them five times in a tournament. You're trying to win this game. Mm. Yes, yeah, spot on. And I totally agree. Go in as the underdog. Go in thinking that you've got to make some plays. Look for look for mistakes to exploit and double and triple down when you do find them. But go in from the position of, I am the underdog. But this guy has got everything to lose. He doesn't want to lose to me. No Drakari player goes in and goes like, oh, wow, I lost to some you know weird weird orc list and go, turn to his mates and be like, wow, I guess uh, Drakari aren't that good. And your mates are like, nah, they're fine. You, you messed up. Um, no one wants that. But anyway. We're going to close this one off. Thank you so much, John. Thank you so much, Nick. Anything you guys would like to plug? Obviously, people are listening to this and know where you guys are from. But Adam, please go. What, what can they find in part two of this episode? Why should they subscribe? Oh, there is. So part two of this episode, we are going to be talking with this gentleman, these gentlemen about some actually some deep diving, some sisters and Necrons builds in specific, in particular. I uh, was hoping we'd have uh, Mr. Siegler for that. But we, the, me and these are sisters, gentlemen. We know enough about the game. We'll be able to answer those questions adequately. Uh, but we also have a swathe of listener questions uh, regarding everything in the meta at the moment, from combating the Drakari menace to how to build custodes to where are Blood Angels at, all those ones and things and ways and means we're getting answered over on part two. You can find that and all the rest of our amazing content on the uh, the art of war 40k.com you'll be able to find this episode going up this thursday at 7 p.m eastern standard time on the youtube page and you can also find us on patreon and look for the art of war um down under on Patreon. you'll be able to find us and find all the amazing things that we do gentlemen thank you so much uh, john would you like to tell people about florida man oh i'm always willing to plug florida man 40k is my own podcast uh another great one in addition to all these wonderful art of war podcasts that we have uh you can find us on pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found but we focus on approaching the competitive game from all levels, that of the beginner, you know, mm-hmm. the longtime veteran, and everyone in between. So if you want to just get some, you know, fun, casual, competitive 40K discussion, come check us out, Florida Man 40K. Love it. Love your work, gentlemen. Anything else you guys would like to mention before we close off? I think we're good to go. Do it. Beautiful. Thank you so much, gents. Catch us on the next one. I'll see you guys on part two. Take care, stay safe, and look after each other, guys. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under. A content review podcast for Warhammer 40K.
Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War down under. Signing out from tomorrow.